Surviving in Singleness, episode 46. This is the Thriving in Singleness podcast, where it's not about surviving, but thriving in this chapter of your life. Here's your host, Tom DeLong. Hello and welcome to another episode of Thriving in Singleness. Hey Josh, how's it going? It's going good, Tom. How about yourself? Uh, man, it's going great. Just rocking right along. I'm not in the closet anymore. I don't know if it's going to sound much different. I'm curious to see how this plays out. I know. It's it's different at least seeing you not in the closet at this point because I'm so used to that. So yeah. <laughs> now there's like more of a background. Behind, yeah, there's more of a background behind you. Yeah. And I do want to show off my T-shirt. I got my Reliant K T-shirt today. Nice. So I have my DC Talk do you have a T-shirt. Good, yeah. Do you have a good collection of uh, band T-shirts or well, what's the? My well, recently my older brother decided to hand off all his band T-shirts to me because he outgrew them, and he had a ton of them. So now I've got this huge collection. Uh, right now I'm wearing my Reliant K Anatomy of Tongue and Cheek Great T-shirt. Album. So I'm pretty sure, and I I'm unashamed about the fact that I'm. I'm a Christian dude that is stuck in the 2000 era of Christian music. So there's some great, great albums from that that period. So, so good. I just want to go back to Creation Festival <laughs> right around that time and live it up. Those were good days, dude. Switchfoot's "New Way to Be Human" one of my favorite albums of all time. Always so, a go-to. Such a solid album. That was that was just so good. And and Switchfoot, they're still kicking. Switchfoot and Reliant K, yeah. in my opinion. You're welcome to disagree. Like they're the best things happening in Christian music right now. They're still rocking out incredible albums. A lot of other good stuff out there right now, but you know they keep it real with with the rock without having to scream. And uh, you know, and they they can they can really just just worship the Lord and the lyrics that they're creating. And I love it. It's it's just really cool what they're doing. Not a fan of screamo. Is that is that what I'm hearing? I'm not a fan. Not of hard a fan rock? of screamo. I, okay. I like hard rock. You know, um, but. I don't like when it's only hard, like screamo yeah. stuff, you know, because like in, I would say 2007, 2008, Christian music just kind of split from a mainstream rock fun type of music stuff to just being either praise and worship or being hard rock screamo. Not a lot of people realize even Skillet used to not be totally screamo. You know, their Invincible album, you know, it wasn't solid, you know, rock stuff that was going on, but it wasn't completely Screamo. Then their uh, next album, I think it was in, came Comatose? out, and then it was like, whoa, like John Cooper, he's like screaming in this one. It's awesome. Or Savior. But, Forsaken. Was that the one Forsaken? After? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have them in the right order, but. Yeah, I don't have them right in front of me. But that's okay. But um, I do want to introduce our guest today. Yeah. We're like super stoked to have ben bennett with us and he recently authored an incredible book it's called free to thrive and ben how you doing today hey good to be with you all i am doing well i would say i i might actually be thriving so you know i wrote a yes. book free to thrive and this free is called thrive. thriving in singleness so i like the language super appropriate like totally works out <laughs> perfect match yeah now the the full title on the cover of the book it does say Free to Thrive, How Your Hurt, Struggles, and Deepest Longings Can Lead to a Fulfilling Life. And like that is awesome. Like what is what is the baseline of the book and what was the inspiration for it? 
Yeah, the core message is that so often we think that our hurt, our struggles, the things in life that we see as problems just to get rid of are actually things that can aren't they're not just things to get rid of they're things that can lead to a thriving life when we understand why they're there and what they're about and a lot of that just comes from things i discovered in in my own story or working with hundreds of young people who are struggling as well and i mean take anxiety for example so many people are anxious and they think oh i just want to get rid of this anxiety and that's kind of like the sole focus rather than saying, well, what is the anxiety about? Why do I get anxious in those situations? What does it reveal about my past and my story? And perhaps um, experiences of where I developed anxiety as a way to survive, to try and protect myself. So we say to question your struggles, don't just condemn them. And because mm -hmm. it's when you truly question them, you realize what they're about in those places of deeper healing that you need to invite God and others into. So our our brokenness can pave our way towards healing, as one of my friends talks about a lot. And uh, that's what we explore throughout the book. That's really cool. And, and I feel like anxiety is just huge right now in this day and age. I think there's a lot of things that contribute towards it. Um, social media addiction, uh, porn is a bigger problem than it ever has been. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something that, you know, we really need to know and understand and know how we tackle it because, you know, it's, it's not always just something you can go and take a pill for and get a prescription for Like it, it's something that, and you'd know better than I do. It, it's something that you have to, you know, tackle and, and, you know, encounter that with the Lord and, and what he's going to be doing. Uh, through that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Same, same thing goes with pornography. Um, even down to the types of pornography people look at, none of those things are random. They are deeply tied towards two people's stories. And so similarly mm -hmm. to anxiety of saying, what is this about? Why do I get anxious in these situations? What does it remind me of growing up, helping people connect the dots? Same thing with pornography. When do I look at pornography? What type of pornography do I look at? What happened the day before, the week before? And we explore in our book that there are these seven longings of the heart that drive everything we do. And those go unmet, they get rejected in life, and then we we do something with them. Many people today, it's, it's looking at pornography, trying to find attention, acceptance, safety, because that has gone unmet in their life. And so they may not know it um, on the surface from the type of pornography they're looking at, whether it's, you know, aggressive or something like that, but that actually represents something that they're longing for that, uh, that God wants to, to heal them from. That's good. Yeah. I think it's, it's tough because with certain issues like pornography, what is the response on when people need help? Oh, just stop looking at it. Just, just don't do it. Just like it, like we don't have these, these conversations around helping people get to the root of the issues. We almost just hope they get better with us or you know, by us praying for them and just cheering them on when it's like, maybe there's something broken in you that's causing this. And like, let's focus on that. Let's, let's try to figure out what's driving you to this. So I, I agree completely with all of that.
Yeah. And oftentimes when we think about the word broken or talking about brokenness as Christians, we just come back to original sin or the fact that we were born with a sin nature and we say, oh, that's my brokenness. But we've got to remember that we live in a fallen world where brokenness is also caused by people and people that hurt us or sin against us. I, I think of Proverbs 4.23 and how it says everything we do flows from our heart. And so we've got to say, yeah, of course, there's brokenness within my nature that I'm born with. And Christ is redeeming that. But there's so much brokenness that happens to my heart in a fallen world by the things I see and am exposed to and the things that happen to me that weren't supposed to happen to me in the Garden of Eden. And that comes out of my heart, too. So we've got to say what has happened to my heart, what has prevented it from being whole and what are those areas that God wants to heal? And uh, it starts by taking inventory of the things that we do that we don't want to do, the things that we struggle with, whether it's lies, behaviors, anxiety, depression, loneliness, even relational behaviors, how we relate to other people, having walls up, our guard up, all those kind of things. We say, what are the struggles that I have and what might they be revealing to me about uh, where I need to be healed and the things that I've I've been through in life. Wow, that's incredible. Now, right now you're working and, and you, you co-wrote this book with Josh McDowell, correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, you've been working with the Josh McDowell Ministries. Has that been since 2017? Yeah, five years. Wow. Yeah, I've been with Josh for five years. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And so what exactly do you do with the Josh McDowell Ministry? A lot of different things. I mean, my main theme is... Um, I'm the director of a global movement called the Resolution Movement, and we re-solution people with biblically-based, research-informed answers to their hurts and struggles. And so the Resolution Movement primarily operates online through social media, Instagram, TikTok, website we have, resolutionmovement.org, podcast, email series, monthly Bible plans with the YouVersion Bible app. We do a lot of content that's resourcing people So to help them overcome their struggles, heal from hurt, no matter what it is. And um, part of that, too, flows into the speaking and writing books that I do as well. I do. I don't do a ton of in-person speaking these days. Ever since COVID, I kind of shifted to doing a lot more online. Mm -hmm. And um, but but I here and there throughout the year, I'll do some in-person speaking, whether it's at conferences or coming into youth groups and um, talking about the resolution movement and healing and freedom. And then on the side, I, um, this was something really cool that it's almost been a hundred days of this, but I, I started doing three videos a day on TikTok. Okay. And um, I haven't missed a day in 90, 96, 97 days. Wow. And, That's um, a good streak. Yeah, it's a good streak. <laughs> Three videos a day. And a lot of that has just turned into like theology or questions about God or, you know, how to be saved, how to have a relationship with God. And it's just taken off. And a lot of Gen Alpha-ers, Gen Zers are on, on there. Like I would estimate that the average age of the person watching my videos is 10. And um, 
I've just wow. gotten into that world as well. And um, I've seen it's been about 75,000 people comment that they've prayed to give their life to Jesus in the past wow. 97 days. That's awesome. And, um, yeah, it's it's been wild just to see, to be part of what God's doing on, on there, reaching young people. Oh, that's incredible. And now, yeah, TikTok, I am still trying to break into the platform a little bit. I honestly am very far behind. I give credit to anybody that's able to just go there and get that content created because I'm not super creative when it comes down to it. But yeah, I also just don't like it because I feel like it is just trying to suck me in. And I already spend too much time on social media. So I'm always fearful of just like, I don't want to go on something that's just going to keep on trying to trying to pull me in and, mm-hmm. and take me in places that I don't want to go. So I think that's been my biggest struggle with TikTok. But, but man, that's just like, that's incredible to just to create that kind of content, be making like that big of a difference. And like, you know, in, in where you are right now, like in your singleness, what do you think God has been teaching you the most? Yeah, there's been a lot, um, a lot I had to unlearn since growing up in American evangelicalism. Okay. (laughs) I feel like we get two, there's two views of sex and marriage. I'll talk about singleness in a second, Mm -hmm. but there's the one you get from pornography, which porn is the primary sex educator for young people today. There's a survey done asking teens what what was the main source of learning about sex or sex sexual education for you? And the majority said that it was pornography. Mm. And the, there's so many problems with that. But one is that essentially they're learning that sexual abuse and hurting other people and taking and all of these horrific things are what sexual activity is. In the church growing up... It, there was, I think, two things. One, either like from the purity movement, like you'll get married one day and it was some kind of sexual prosperity gospel that you'll get married and save yourself and it's going to be awesome. And then you just go nuts. And, And the problem is that doesn't account for so many different things and it's still so self focused. And Mm -hmm. what if you do have sexual dysfunction in marriage, which everybody does have some kind of sexual dysfunction in the fallen Mm -hmm. world, whether it's wrong views about sex or bodily things or just whatever, or what about seasons or what, you know, what if something happens to your spouse and you can't, can't have sex. So like we sold a false narrative there. The other thing Mm -hmm. is if we, and that's, if we did talk about it, if we didn't talk about it, it was like, well, it's kind of dirty and we don't really talk about that. And so you get married and you're supposed to figure everything out. So I, I think I had to unlearn those things as a single guy because I, I do want to be married one day. But the other thing was that we've, I mean, made a idol out of marriage, essentially that it's this kind of ultimate achievement mm-hmm. and something that is promised or like something to be expected when... yeah what we actually see in the Bible is that there's two equally glorious ways of following Jesus in this life. And one is by marriage, two is by singleness Mm -hmm. and not in that order. Like they're, they're, they're equal. Mm -hmm. Jesus was single. Paul was single. Timothy 
Paul even said, I wish you would be not married like me because of the (laughs) effectiveness and life is short and just this idea. However, so many of our Christian communities are set up to cater towards married couples. And I think Mm -hmm. the reason singleness is hard for people is because of the failure of Christians to properly understand ecclesiology and what the church is supposed to be Mm -hmm. about and our calling as Christians. Because what happens? What happens to me as a 33-year-old single guy? It's like, oh, the weekend comes around or I want to do something and families are tapped out. Or like my friends who are my age with kids, they're tapped out. They've got no time. Uh, They're busy. There's kids. They're not sleeping. And it's almost like the lack of relational connection can be caused by the busyness of people who are either married or have kids or packing their schedule with, with things, as opposed to, I think the right understanding is that the the church Christians are the are a new family and there should be invitations like prioritizing singles having singles over mm-hmm. um having them over for dinner inviting them in okay the family's busy mm-hmm. hey do you want to come to the park with us and our and our kids like we're doing this like let's still prioritize doing life together even if yeah. it's busy and it's not necessarily at, like adding something on top of what you're already doing, but it is hospitality and Mm -hmm. prioritizing. We're a new family in Christ. There's people that are older, people that are younger, people that are single, people that are married, but we're committed to doing life together and our door is always open, those kind of things. So yeah, those are some things I've been learning. I guess that's the past 10 years or so, but um, (laughs) it's, I think it's, it's really been helpful. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you talk about like how, how sex was approached in the church and it's, it's really a matter of threading the needle almost because, you know, like you said, you can, you can go in, in like two different extremes where you talk about marriage in, in the expectation. And I know I certainly grew up with the expectation that I would get married someday. You know, evidently I have, but it was something that I needed to learn before I got married. I'm so glad that I did that it was not a guarantee. It's not something that I am entitled to. And it was something that I held as an idol that I had to just let go of it and trust God completely because even idolizing a healthy marriage is an idol and God does not want us to hold idols before him. So, you know, with the, with the church, you know, either, you know, not talking about it is not good because if you don't have the church talking about it one way, you know, you're going to be hearing it only from other ways. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm concerned where, you know, there's, there's this like push back against the purity culture that we, many of us have grown up in. And there are some aspects of it that may have been toxic. And there's some people that have been hurt by it, but then it, I feel like there was like a lot more of a of a retreat in some ways, which I think is dangerous as well. So I think it's something we need to continue talking about, finding out how we can educate and uh, to me more so inspire people to 
save themselves from marriage and chase after purity because you know i i don't like the the christianity that uses hell as something to scare people into salvation you know i i want people to be inspired by god's grace by what he's done and similarly you know i don't want people to save themselves from marriage because they're scared i want them to be able to save themselves from marriage because they're inspired they're inspired by what god has for them he's got a greater plan there's more incredible things he has for them and they need to realize that the outcomes we experience in life are the result of the decisions we make and the compounding effects of those decisions we make and those decisions in everyday life in in purity and you know and you mentioned about uh about singleness and you know that's something that I always try to make sure that I'm prioritizing is my single friends. It is tough to do. It does feel like I always have a lot on my plate speaking as a married man with a child. But but you're right. You know, even including friends in our in our day to day, if we're just going to go on a hike or something like that, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because it it's something that I need to, you know, think a little bit more of. I do want to think of my single friends. One thing that I like that my church does is we do have a, uh, we do have a life group and it's, we're in the, somehow we got categorized in the, in the young adults life group, probably because of the, they, they, they know I do a podcast. They know I have like a heart for teens and, and young adults, but, uh, you know, we have, we have single people and we have married people. We have people that have kids. And so it's a healthy blend. And it's not just saying like, Hey, this is for the young singles. And then, Hey, you know, once you get married, you can upgrade into this life group, you know, and I don't think that's necessarily how it should be. I think we do need to be, you know, doing life together. And, and even so, I think there needs to be more blend between generations and combining Mm -hmm. life experience where, you know, you're getting wisdom from somebody like two generations ahead of you that, that knows what pitfalls that you need to be, you know, avoiding. And, you know, you're involved in the Josh McDowell ministry. You write a book with him. So obviously know him very well. And it's incredible mm-hmm. to have him to walk through life with and have him to, you know, help encourage and, and, you know, coach you in, you know, the things you have going on in your life and, and taking the next steps. Oh yeah, for sure. It's been such a gift. And it's, it's so awesome. Like seeing what, you know, what God is doing in your singleness. And like, if you knew that you were going to be single for the rest of your life, is there anything that you would be doing differently? I don't think so. Um, I mean, that's just, you know, that's kind of, I, I think, yeah. you know, some people think, oh, I'm called to singleness. And then other people think I'm not called to singleness yet. We're all called to singleness. And yeah. whether it be like most people for the first 18 years, 19 years of their life until they get married and then they're married. And if, if their spouse dies before them, then they're called Mm -hmm. to singleness during that period of time. It's, I I think we've kind of over-spiritualized, you know, what that, that means and looks like. And so I try and operate as if, okay, how do I live for God right now? in in this time in this season whether it's today next week forever living as single i I try and just kind of orient my life that way so 
Yeah. And, and I think I, I love to ask out of people because, you know, it can, it can go different ways in the conversation. And for one, I, I love your answer. I love that you feel like, you know, this, this is what God's calling me towards right now. And I'm going to keep doing that. And, you know, my, my thought of a marital status really doesn't change that. You know, I know like for me, that was my big problem in singleness. It was like, I was building my life around this concept mm-hmm. of getting married. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. you know, there was, there was so much more I could have been doing in that time. Fortunately, you know, I'm, I'm super blessed that I spent, you know, three, four years leading young life and just, you know, devoting so much of my time with youth and just teaching them, mentoring them. And I'm, I'm glad I didn't like completely waste it, you know, cause that could have been like a total loss, but <laughs> there's always ways I could have, could have done better with it. And when I realized that I was like, okay, like I'm going to start living life differently. You know, if, if God wants me to be single for the rest of my life, I'm just going to rock that. I'm going to use that for his glory. I mean, I was ready for, I was ready for base jumping. I was ready for, you know, just doing all the crazy adrenaline junkie things I felt God made me for. And I'd find a way to use it for his glory. I was like, Hey, you know, kids tend to like this crazy side of me. I'll keep doing that and, and hopefully inspire them and encourage them and, you know, teach, you know, keep directing them towards the Lord. So, I mean, that was like a little bit of my story, but like, I do love that, you know, in your singleness, you're living out what that plan looks like right now, what God has for you right now and you know you never know if if things are going to change for you and you know you mentioned you're 34 years old 33 years old right yeah 33 that this is like the most i feel like equally yoked episode honestly because josh how old are you (laughs) i'm 32 yeah yeah you're 32 you're 33 i'm 34 so it's like yeah yeah, we're (laughs) we're we're just all like hanging out here so i know oh man that's so awesome one thing i wanted to say on just the question um I resonate with everything you're saying, Ben. Um, you know, I grew up in church, 32, single, had to walk through a lot of the kind of tearing down the idol of marriage in my own life or in my, the entirety of my 20s. Um, and kind of mm-hmm. God just really brought me to a place of I was good with my singleness, but everyone around me wasn't. And that really kind of got me stirred up and to mm-hmm. the point of like, <laughs> what's going on here? And it's for me, it's like, we don't have a healthy viewpoint of singleness in the church. So how can we have healthy single people in the church? The mm-hmm. simple fact that when we ask, oh, would you be okay if you were called to singleness the rest of your life? That right there shows you that we don't think it's a good thing. And right. we, we struggle with the idea of it being good. We almost like, oh, would you be okay if you were punished for the rest? That's the idea behind that question. Mm-hmm. Because we don't have... That's uh, not what I meant, by the way. I, it's not. I know it isn't. <laughs> but I'm saying the overall, yeah. when... Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying you, Tom. I'm saying that when <laughs> the general feeling of the question is mm-hmm. a weight. Because what if you said, oh, would you be okay if you're married for the rest of your life? Everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's great. Like, that's what mm-hmm. I want. And until we have a healthy vision for what it means to be single in the church, we won't have healthy single people. And the sad reality is the majority of the adult population is single. But the church mm-hmm. is not. Like, the, if you look at the, the statistics, 52% of the population between 18 and 49 is single. Mm. Yet the, the church is made up of like 21% of single people. So the fact that we are, in a sense, dividing by relationship status, we are missing out on the majority of the world, majority of the people that we can reach. 
because we've fallen into this idea that we want to put things in categories. And, and my thing is, one, one thing that really helped me is I took the focus off my relationship status and really focused on my relationship with God. That was the thing is my relationship status pales in comparison to my relationship with God. And so for me, I always, in a sense, downplay the importance of relationship status with another person in comparison to what do you, what is God doing in your life? Are you, are you going after him? Like, what is, what is he calling you to do? Because so often if you're a single in the church, you focus so much on your relationship status and it becomes the, like the cause of all your issues because you're anxious about it. You're frustrated about it. You're, you're like, what do I do? And we're not called to figure that out. We're called to seek after God. So that was one thing for me is trying to, in a sense, I still struggle with it. I still walk through it. I still pray about it. It's, it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm great. But when I face it and it's like the reality of it and it, it, on the days that it hurts, it's like, okay, God, I'm giving it to you just like I do all the time. And it's in your hands. But what you called me to do here matters more than if you call, you know, when you call me to relationship, if you call me to one. So it's, I think we have this imbalance of how we view relationships in the church. Part of it's because we've idolized marriage, but until we balance that out and really have singleness, have a healthy stance, a healthy place in church, I don't know how we can expect people to be healthy and single in the church when we don't really have a healthy vision for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I do want to say like the, I like to ask the question of, you know, how would your life look if you were going to be single for the rest of your life? You know, I don't look that out of the perspective of, of singleness being a punishment because, you know, for the longest time I looked at singleness as a punishment and, and I really love to hear from people whose heart, like they know that it's not a punishment, how they react to that question. Because, you know, you ask that of the, of the average single person and, and like, dude, like, that would suck. Like, I feel like, you know, God hates me for this, you know, and, and, and they, they do feel like that it's a punishment. And speaking as a married man, marriage is not a punishment. I want to say it was, that'd be funny, but it's not like, you know, God blesses us in, in our singleness. God blesses us in marriage, you know, wherever he's taking you, but you really do have to just make sure you're looking at that as, as a blessing, you know, where you are and how are you handling that blessing of what he has for you. There's, there's definitely pros and cons to each, but so many times people are focused on the cons and their singleness instead of the pros of what God has for them. And, you know, the people that look at the cons so strongly in their singleness, they tend to look at the cons very strongly in marriage. And mm -hmm. that is detrimental. Like I, I'm so, you know, so held onto the words where, you know, Deborah Philada, she says that, healthy singles turn into healthy marriages. And that's something that I want to play a part in. Like I want to see that, that health happen in, in singleness and see people thrive, see people, you know, do incredible things in their life. And I'm like super inspired by the ministry that you're doing, the cool things that God, God has for you. And, and it's just awesome. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just like super stoked for where you are right now in life. Like it's just cool. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs> So what is your recommendation towards guys who are in their, let's say, early 30s and in their singleness? How do you recommend that they find ways to thrive 
in that singleness? I would say the same thing to probably to somebody who is married as well. Um, this is something we discovered writing our book, Free to Thrive. It all comes down to relationships, 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 because you mm. can be you can be miserable in marriage because you don't have a healthy relationship with you know your, your yeah. spouse. You can be miserable as a single because you don't have healthy relationships with other people. Harvard has been doing this study for 75 plus years, looking at what leads to the uh, happiest lives and the least amount of disease. Hmm. And they found that it's good relationships. Unsurprisingly, it's good relationships (laughs) that cause people to be happier and healthier, period. And that's rooted in, of course, God's design Uh, from Genesis 1 and 2. Like from day one, when humans were created, they were placed in a garden it's not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. Multiple of them, they were with God. They had everything they needed. And so we talk about what it means to have healthy relationships, the seven longings of the heart, which are essentially relational needs to be accepted, as to be known and approved of as you are no matter what. I won't go through all seven, but attention mm-hmm is to be known and understood with someone entering your world. You think about those two, you're accepted, you're known, people care about your opinions, your likes, dislikes, like those those two things and having that every single day makes all, all the difference. You feel known, understood, loved. Loneliness, research shows, is more deadly than, now more deadly in recent research than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Uh, but what we don't get about loneliness is loneliness is not a lack of friends. Mm-hmm. It's a lack of meaningful connection. And having that acceptance, that attention, both of those things lead to deep, meaningful connection. About several years ago, I was thinking, I was going on, I kept going on dates and things weren't working out. And it, it was just a bad year <laughs> in my estimation. I went on five first dates and each person, I think I asked on the second date and they all said no. And I was like, what is going on? Oh my. And then, I mean, a couple of years later, I went on many more first dates and it wasn't like that. So either I grew or changed or something, or it was just <laughs> a matter of timing. I don't know what happened, mm-hmm. but I remember being so frustrated. And then God led me to this journaling exercise where I made a list of What are all the things that I long for that I think marriage would solve? Because I think it's funny. It's funny to think that marriage is going to solve all these problems or whatnot when it will introduce a lot of problems. Yeah, it will solve certain problems. But I made a list of things like, oh, to be to be known and pursued, to have companionship, to. Uh, have laughter to connect over hobbies, like all of these, a lot of idealism. And then next to those things, I sat with God and wrote down names of people in my life who fulfilled that. Mm. And even down to, you know, and at this point I had been free from porn and masturbation for about five years. And so wow. that, you know, there's no sexual, you know, even one of the longings was in that exercise. I want to have sexual intimacy with someone. And 
you know, something like that. Um, and so I was writing down all these names, these relational needs, but even on that one about, you know, the, the sexual thing, I realized, oh, God provides for that too with nocturnal emissions. And um, so all of these needs and even desires, many of the de desires God was fulfilling in a way that um, it just looked different than what I was expecting. Um, that was, that must have been four or five years ago. Now I've been free from porn and masturbation for nine years, but that exercise was very helpful to say, wow, God is meeting these, many of these things in a specific way. And that really helped me realize how much he was providing and taking care of me. Could you go ahead and just describe that one more time so our listeners can intentionally just make that list and, and write those things down? Yeah, perhaps it would be helpful to categorize it too in, in um, or like these different categories of when you're longing for or desiring marriage, think about the category of relationally. Relationally, what do I think marriage is going to give me? And we explore this in, our, in the book, Free to Thrive, but is it acceptance, the attention, the companionship? Is it, I mean, just, just dream big and be honest with yourself because be honest with the overzealous expectations. You know, it's mm -hmm. somebody who's always going to want to be with me. Who's gonna, we're going to laugh all the time. They're going to, they're going to love all my habits. They're going to give me nonstop <laughs> compliments, mm -hmm. just affirmation, appreciation, acceptance, all these things, even physically like, Oh, hugs and that kind of physical touch and the, the romance and, sexual desire, the fulfillment of that, just everything you think a marriage is going to give you. And then next to all of those things, sit with God and, and think about people in your life now or people in past years who God has really met those needs through, or even mm -hmm. himself. Like, how does he show up? How does he comfort you and, and, and meet those needs? And I think something to say too is, is the reality is, you know, even if you get married, when you're married, it is a one, it's idolatry, idolatry and totally crippling to put all of those expectations on someone and as a recipe for disaster. And sadly, the divorce rate is, is just so high with, you know, what is it? 50% half of marriage is yeah. not working out. So I think this could be God's kindness to you to say, okay, here are all the things I think marriage is going to give me. Here are all the ways God is meeting that now through relationships, through himself, through other ways. And then if I do get married, when I get married, realizing, okay, even if, because all these needs are not going to be fulfilled by a spouse, well, God's meeting those now. And he's going to meet that through relationships. And I don't have to bond with, I, I mean, my spouse doesn't have to love all the hobbies or all the music I listen to. That's why I have other friends, you know, yeah. we can bond there. Like we're and and to lower those, those expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think that that will help you start to be a lot more healthier and kind of lower the bar um, as you meet people and as you date and as you look for a potential spouse and to set you up 
much better for marriage. I think the reality is so many of us look for a relationship to try to be healed and God yeah. can heal us. And he does like, if you mm -hmm. grew up with a lack of affirmation, like he can provide a spouse who's going to give a lot of affirmation and it can be so healing. But often we take all of our desires, all of our wounds and try to find somebody to complete us. Like we use the term soulmate. Yeah. The problem with that, that term actually has pagan origins and it's not anywhere found in, in the Bible. Mm -hmm. God's design is not like yin and yang, like somebody to complete you. It's you with God be a hundred percent healthier as, or as healthy as you can be somebody else be 100% or as healthy as they can be come together. And when you come together, you become a reckoning force for the gates of hell Yeah, to better each other, to better other people, to share and, and live like Jesus. That's awesome. I love that. It's good, man. I just like love so much of everything that you've been able to have to say. And I'm like super blessed to have you on our podcast and just talk about these things. Um, but before we wrap it up, I just do want to check and just make sure, like, is there anything that has been on your heart that maybe we haven't had a chance to, to talk about yet? I mean, all there's so many things like whether it's pornography, freedom, mental health, but I would say to, to wrap all of that up, whatever you are struggling with, even in singleness, if you're like getting angry at God, or if you feel not good enough or you're like something is wrong with me because I'm still single or you're dealing with mental health or pornography I would say start start seeing those things investigating those things like rather than just oh this problem to get rid of say what is what is this about why do I truly feel this way why am I struggling with this what can I learn what can I learn from this what is it a revealing what is it a symptom of because ultimately all those things are are signals we're longing for something we're longing for acceptance attention safety and god wants to fulfill that through himself through friendships through other people and so as as hard as it may be with with whatever you're struggling with to take the time to start investigating where it comes from, what it's about, and to let those things in your life that you want to get rid of point you to where you need to be healed and where you need to invite God and others in. All right. That's awesome. Man, I really appreciate it. So for for our listeners, where can they find your book? Anywhere books are sold. Um, it's also out in Spanish. Uh, awesome. If you speak Spanish or have friends that speak Spanish, it's on Audible in English and Spanish audio. Amazon is the easiest spot place or bookstores, Barnes and Noble. Okay. Should be able to find it. Excellent. So, yeah. And how can mean listeners be praying for you? Just pray that, that God would continue to lead lead people that need these resources that are dying for these resources to the resolution movement like that's constantly my prayer like we're seeing people saved by suicide from suicide we're seeing people meet jesus we're seeing people find answers to why they do what they don't want to do 
and but there's so many people out there and who struggle yeah. for years and don't find these solutions so that that we would just get to serve them and that he would um, connect the dots. All right. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely be praying. And um, yeah, thank you again for joining us for this episode. Uh, we'll be praying for you and, and the ministry and, the, and that people can find the ministry and be inspired by that. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It was a gift to yeah. get to spend time with you all and have this conversation. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, you're very welcome. So everybody out there, I uh, just want to let you know, we have a website that is up, thrivinginsingleness.com. Be sure to check it out. Uh, we're going to keep that updated. There's more developments along the way for the website. And also check, it us, check us out on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. But we really appreciate everybody that is listening to this podcast. And I just want you to be sure to get out there and seize the day. Maximize every chapter of your life. We will see you next episode. Thanks for listening to the Thriving in Singleness podcast. Look for new episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.